Hello and welcome to the Gratitude and Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Midich, and I am so happy you found your way here. Most of you probably know me as an actor, but what you might not know is I have been on the most transformative journey these last few years. And I've created this podcast to share the discoveries I've had and things I've learned and continue to learn about this wonderful journey we all call life and how to attain joy, peace, and ultimately freedom. Because I think that's what we're all striving for at the end of the day. I'm here to share some tools that can change your life, hone your mental discipline, and empower you to step into the highest version of who you want to be. I'm gonna share my own journey of how I got here, but please do not live from my experience. My intention is for you to live from and create your own experience. Take what works, leave what doesn't. There is no right or wrong here. Just do you. Just be you, okay? Alrighty, let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode. I'm on the road for this one, so the audio quality might be a little different, I'm not sure. You might hear people in the background, you might hear the AC unit a little louder, but it's really hot where I am, so I can't turn it off. Um, and I still felt really inspired to post this week and to record this week, so here we go. Today, we're going deep. <laughs> we're diving deep into who and what we innately are. We are all three-part beings, mind, body, and soul. And once I really understood this, my world opened up in ways that I don't actually have words for. Many of us think that we're just what our minds tell us we are, but we're not. We're not our thoughts. We're not that voice inside our heads. We're not what we identify as in this world through our mind. Um, blonde, brunette, liberal, conservative, house owner, restaurant owner, artist, businesswoman, um, painter, plumber, pretty, ugly, thin, fat, whatever that voice inside your head is telling you, you are not that. That is not actually who you are. Our thoughts are a wonderful tool or sometimes a vicious tormentor. Our thoughts become things in this physical reality. Our thoughts are so important, but our thoughts do not make us who we are. And within our mind is our ego. This is a term you might hear um, talked about a lot these days. Your ego is the part of you that is always working to strengthen your identity. That's kind of how I look at it. It, it does this by attaching itself to things in the world outside of you. It's always seeking for approval and control. It's your self-image. It's your social mask. That's how I look at it. It's that voice in your head that's always on the go, that's always on the lookout, that's always searching for a problem or a threat or the next thing to attach itself to. I wanna do an exercise here with you right now. Okay, I want you to continue doing whatever you're doing right now as you're listening to this. Maybe you're working out or walking or cleaning or just sitting there. Do whatever you are doing but I'm going to give you 15 seconds of quiet where I'm not gonna talk. And I want you to say in your mind, hello, a bunch of times. Get loud with it, get quiet with it, say it different ways or say it all the same. Like, hello, hello, 
hello, hello, hello, hello, hello, hello, hello, hello, hello, hello, hello, hello, however you want. You can sing it. Hello, hello. But just don't say it out loud. Say it in your mind, okay? All right. Okay, do you see how there is a voice that says hello and there is the part of you that hears you saying hello? This might be super trippy if you've never realized this before. The part saying hello, that's your mind. The part listening, that's you. That is the seat of the observer. That is the seat of your true self. That is awareness. That is consciousness. That is who you are. I do this exercise a lot. Um, a lot of people in the self-help, personal development, spiritual community do exercises like this, but I remember the first time I really did it, it was actually, I don't know, like seven years ago, maybe 10 years ago, and I realized that I was not my mind. And it blew my mind because I started connecting to something deeper. It took me almost a decade later to really consistently learn how to sit in the seat of the observer, in the seat of self, as we call it. But this seat of self, that is your soul. That place underneath all the noise of the outside world, that place underneath all the noise of the inside world, underneath the thoughts, good or bad, that play constantly like a record in our head, underneath any physical pains or aches, sicknesses or sensations, that place deep, deep within, that beautiful, resilient, enchanting place of never-ending calm, of knowing, of fantastically active yet completely still and quiet energy inside. Can you at least sit there and witness that there is a voice inside of you talking to you? Can you witness that it is separate from you? This is the true you. Have you spent any time here? Like I said, I know I didn't for most of my life, but now I do. And now I do a lot and often in many different ways. This part of us, it's so hard for me to find words. Um, this part of us has no gender. It has nothing that can label it. This part of us is only accessible through experience, not through the mind, not through intellectual understanding. Your mind will try to label it. It'll try to make sense of it, even with the best intentions sometimes, but your mind can never actually grasp it. The best words I can use to describe it for myself is, it's a tingle for me. When I operate, when I visit, when I settle in this place, I get this energetic tingle throughout my entire body that radiates way deep from inside of me all the way out. And I mean all the way past my physical body, past the room I'm in sometimes, past everything at times. 
when I meet myself in this place, it feels quiet, safe. It feels like home. It feels like relief. It's this place that I feel communion, that I feel infinite love radiating within and from me. It's even more than the feeling of being present, but that's the closest human experience to it. But this is my soul. It's joyful. It's never endlessly energizing and energetic. When I'm here, honestly, I'm free. And everything is possible. Nothing feels limited because your soul is not limited. It is limitless. It is infinite. It is always expanding. It is all that is. Your soul is that little voice that whispers to you. The one we usually ignore because it's not loud, like the ego. It's not arrogant. It's not mean. It's not fearful at all. It's quiet and it's love. It's your intuition. It's a blend of God, universe, source, energy, spirit, whatever word you want to use. That little voice is a blend of a higher power and you. It whispers your greatest desires. The ones that might be deep, deep, deep down inside of you that you might be keeping locked up in a box. It's the one that reminds you what you really want to do in this life, what you really want to experience. It pulls you towards certain things, certain people because of this. And then it's usually your mind that tells you all the reasons why you can't do that thing that your soul is yearning for. Your soul is only love. Your soul is the part of you that never dies. Your physical body may leave this world, but your soul stays, it travels, it decides what it wants and needs to do afterward. I feel most connected to my soul in nature, in the quiet, in the woods, on the beach, watching a sunset or a moonrise, watching animals do their thing, studying them, witnessing the simplicity yet complexity of life. But I've learned to connect to it even in chaos. Even in a loud construction zone, a traffic jam, even when the world outside of me is screaming. It feels like a bird soaring casually in the sky. I love all animals, I really do. But there's something about birds that I resonate with so much right now. The freedom of just soaring. That is what it feels like when I let my mind take a break from working so hard and I sit in the seat of self. I just observe. I observe myself and I observe others. I observe the emotions that are hitting me and I observe the emotions hitting other people. It's so fascinating when I sit from the seat of self and I watch somebody else who might even like be hurting me, saying things to me that are quote unquote mean or hurtful or whatnot. But when I can actually sit in the seat of self, I realize so clearly that that is just their own fear. It's their own fear that they're putting on top of me. It has nothing to actually do with me. It's something that they have to do on themselves or something that has to do with them. I think this is why people call it a spiritual quote unquote awakening. You wake up inside. 
And that makes you wake up outside. You wake up and realize that you are not your mind, your thoughts. Once you know that, once you experience it, life is never the same. And it's another tool that makes me feel so powerful. I mean, honestly, can you sit there and take stock for a day of the thoughts that go in your head? Don't judge them. But I mean, how many of them are fearful or scarcity driven or critical of yourself or other people, judgmental? Is that little voice inside your head like mine and it's always like, go, 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 do this, do that, be better, get better, get greater. Okay, so let's, while we're here, I wanna jump to the mental plane for a bit since I'm running out of words to describe the soul. Like I said, your mind is a beautiful tool when it is working properly. For most of us in 2023, it's not working properly. For most of us, it is a vicious tormentor, like I was saying, reminding us of our failures and dreaming of a future that's either worse or magically better than the present moment. It keeps us up at night, replaying cringeworthy scenarios of things that we've said or done. It keeps people's insults and hurtful actions alive and on repeat. It holds on to any pain inflicted on us and encourages us to build the most impressive armor around our hearts so nothing and no one will hurt us again. It feeds us pain and fear. But in all defense of the mind, we have given it the hardest job in the world to protect us, to make sure that we're okay at all times, to make sure that we are likable to everyone at all times, to make sure nothing rocks us and that we don't rock anyone else, to make sure our lives pan out perfectly, to make sure that we are good enough, pretty enough, strong enough, worthy enough to everyone all the time to make sure there's enough money in the bank account, that our family is also happy and safe, that we are surviving. And so our poor mind is constantly searching and on the lookout for threats everywhere, literally everywhere. And on top of it, we have wrapped up our identity in everything that the mind identifies, everything in the outside world. So it's always making sure that we are lining up with those requirements that we've put on it. It is constantly, nonstop, working, 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 24-7. Doesn't that sound exhausting? I mean, just put it in perspective. When you're working a lot, maybe you have busy weeks at work that things, you know, lead up to a certain event. And you're working every single day and you're pulling 12-hour days, day after day after day. And you're not resting enough. You're not nourishing yourself enough. You know how you operate when you get in that place. You feel tired, your body, you feel lethargic, you don't feel so good, maybe you're bloated, like all this stuff happens to you, right? When you're unbelievably exhausted. That is your mind all the time. That's what we've done to our poor minds. We're overworking them. They don't get a break, they don't get a rest. They are constantly in a state of survival. That's why when you live from the seed of self, when you live from your soul, you're not surviving, you're thriving. And maybe you've heard that, maybe that sounds cliche, I don't know. But for me, that's how I feel. When I'm connected to my spirit, when I'm connected to my soul, when I'm sitting there in the seat of the observer, I feel like I'm thriving. I think that's like the free feeling I'm talking about is I just feel invincible. 
and I feel so full of love and I feel like I can give endlessly without needing anything in return. You don't have to be in a state of survival all the time. You really don't. Once you stop identifying as your mind, once you realize that you are underneath it, things will shift for you. It is inevitable. Okay, it is inevitable. If you let go of your mind, if you let go of making your mind, your personality, the thoughts in your head, if you stop giving them power and you can pull back, you can pull back underneath it, your life will shift in a profound way and you will experience magic and miracles and peace and calm and joy, never ending joy. The first step always, I come back to this, is awareness. Just awareness. Can you be aware of the fact that you are not your mind? Like I said, can you take a moment to realize that there is a voice inside your head that is talking to you? Can you take a moment to realize that this voice inside your head is trained to always look out for the worst case scenario? But here's my thing, and I think this might differ a little bit, from other people in the spiritual and personal development world, your mind, your ego, gets a really bad rap these days. But for me, to dismiss the ego, to berate it, to make it the bad guy, means that you are dismissing a part of you. And that means that you are denying a part of you. Your ego's not bad. It's there to protect you. It's there to drive you. It motivates you sometimes, yes, and it keeps you as your best self in certain moments, right? Like my ego at the gym loves to take over and I push myself and I push myself. My ego makes me want to be the best. The difference is I don't make being the best my be all and end all, right? I know that I am already my best. I am the best I will ever be every single moment of every day. That's the thing about the soul. It already knows and has everything that it could possibly want or need. But my ego drives me to work harder. So I don't think your ego is a bad thing. Your ego isn't trying to make you unhappy. You are just letting it. You are not your ego or its slave. It's just, if you're anything like me, you're only living from the mind and there's no balance. There's no balance between your mind ego and your soul self. And they can both exist. That's what I want to tell you. They can both exist and they're both integral parts of us. So to deny either is denying a major part of you. It's not about ridding yourself of your ego. Honestly, I don't think that's possible. I really don't. I think it's about understanding it and understanding that you have power over it. It's about understanding who you are when you're operating from ego and who you are when you're operating from spirit. I talked about how everything is a choice in your life in a previous episode and how everything comes down to making a choice between fear or love. To me, making choices from love usually come from spirit. They really do. And choices out of fear come from the ego because your spirit doesn't need anything, but your ego is always searching for something to complete it. It's searching for completion in other things, in other people, places, situations, goals, um, achievements. It needs those things to solidify its identity. Your soul, your soul already knows it is complete as it is. 
Have you ever felt that? Those moments in life when you feel whole, complete, worthy. I think that's a really big one. Those moments when you feel like you're enough, when you feel happy, joyful, when your mind quiets down and you don't even have any thoughts. I only really ever experienced those moments when I got something material that I really wanted or in moments in nature, right? Like moments that literally take your breath away and shut your mind off. Now, nowadays I try to tap into that every single day. And this is also where gratitude comes in. Experiencing and expressing gratitude, the pure joy behind it, taps me into spirit because it is a direct expression of love. Gratitude is an expression of love. Isn't that beautiful? That's why gratitude is my way of life. It's why sometimes I just meditate on the feeling of gratitude. It's why I start my day with it. It's why I try to tap into it before bed every single night. When you're grateful, you're not wanting. The ego doesn't operate from gratitude. And sometimes it gets tricky to decipher for me because my ego now, you know, it's not so loud in fearful ways because I've done a lot of work on myself and I've worked on rewiring and reprogramming my thoughts and my mind. And honestly, my awareness is tenfold, but that is what gets tricky for me because now my ego gets at me in terms of love. So for me, I've learned that if my brain is telling me something that is related to a need or a want, that is it coming from a place of lacking something. So that is ego. The soul, again, I have to always remind myself this, the soul doesn't need anything. It is complete as it is. It knows everything that there is to know. So for me, things the soul whispers are usually a calm knowing. That's the best way I can explain it. It's a calm knowing. And then that is sometimes later followed by excitement and passion, but it always starts as a calmness for me. That is my intuition. That is the soul. The ego is loud. It really is. The soul is quiet. If we're talking in terms of like physical body or your chakras, for me, fear usually comes from the solar plexus. If something's hitting me, I feel, I don't know, discomfort, pain, or just energy in my solar plexus. If it's coming from intuition, it's usually coming from my heart center and it's calm. And then the passion will radiate throughout. But when that first download comes, it's coming from my heart. Okay, I could talk about the mind and the soul forever, and I probably will, but I don't want to ignore the body, your beautiful physical vessel in this lifetime, this incredible thing that lets you experience life through your senses, this thing that works so effortlessly on your behalf. Do you even think about the fact that you breathe without thinking? that your heart pumps blood, that your muscles activate, that your body does so much without you even thinking about it. I have so much gratitude for my body. I really, really do.
but your body also isn't who you are. Your body is part of the three-part being. Your body is the home to your soul, to your mind, to your awareness, to everything else. In Conversations with God, which is a series of three books that, my goodness, I can't, I had my spiritual awakening before I actually found these books. It's a very long story. My mom actually put that book on my bookshelf and it sat there for eight years until one day in meditation, the little voice was finally like, you need to read Conversations with God. I had tried so many times, but I just, I wasn't there yet. And then I had my spiritual awakening. I had done all this work on myself and I finally read it and it rocked me in the most beautiful and loving and profound way because everything I had ever experienced or believed in, I found in these texts and it gave me such a validation for this transformation that I had undergone that it, yeah, I cannot speak highly enough about this series of books. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all I'll say on it. But one quote that has forever stuck with me from that series of books is, the soul conceives, the mind creates, the body experiences. The soul conceives, the mind creates, the body experiences. And it all clicked for me when I read that. Your soul conceives your passion. It whispers your purpose in this world. Your mind then creates it. I will say this a lot and maybe I'll do an entire episode. Actually, no, I will. I'll do an entire episode on the mechanics of how your thoughts create things in this universe. It is one of many universal laws. I think I'll dive into them because I think a lot of people ask me about them and then we talk about them and their minds are always blown. So anyway, your soul conceives your passion and then your mind creates it or doesn't, depending on how your mind is working. And then your body experiences the things that you create on the physical plane. Isn't that cool? It fascinates me. All of this fascinates me when I really sit there and I break it down and then I actually break it down in my life. Honestly, think about it for a few moments or an hour or even a whole day. Think about it. And I think that you'll find that it's true for you too. And I just want to say here, there is no right way to approach your quote-unquote awakening or whatever you want to call it, awareness, healing, accepting. You are a three-part being. How do I explain this? For me, my healing, let's call it, even though that's not my favorite word, my healing started on the mental plane. It started on the mental plane when I started realizing I wasn't who I wanted to be. And then I, I started a mental awareness of why I wasn't showing up how I wanted to show up. And then it went to soul. I realized I was not my mind and I realized I was my soul. And then I started focusing on who I am, who my soul is, what my soul is, how to honor it and access it almost. Um, and then eventually 
and it took the longest I got to my body. I'll talk about that later too, um, about my relationship with my body and how I really, really struggled with it for most of my life. But I think only now, honestly, in like the last eight months, 10 months, have I started to take the healing from the mental work, the healing from the spiritual work, and to put it into the body work, the physical work. And the whole point of me saying that is that there is no right way, right? Like some people start from the body. They start eating cleaner. They start taking care of themselves. And then it naturally trickles over into your mind and your soul. And then some people start on the spiritual level. They start with prayer, with meditation, with communion, with realizing that we are all one, with realizing the powers and the dynamics of the energy and how this universe works. And then it trickles into their mind and their body. Usually with most of the people I've talked to, you end up healing all three parts of you. But your way of doing that might be different than somebody else's, right? Like I said, you might kind of do how I do and go mind, soul, body, or you might go mind, body, soul, or you might go soul, mind, body. It doesn't really matter. What does matter is that you do focus on all three because when all three parts of you are working harmoniously, that is success to me. That is happiness. And the power that you have when these three parts of you are working together is incredible. And that's why it's important to honor exercise and listen to all three parts. They will all communicate with you if you let them. You're probably right now mainly living in communication with only your mind. Do you ever check in with your body, with your soul? Again, meditation is also a key for this. Silence. Silence is the key for this. A very simple meditation to do is a body scan. So I will lay there on my bed and I will start focusing on my breath for a bit and it'll help quiet my mind. And then I start with my toes and I focus on them. I check in. Like I said, when I kind of tap into spirit, I get that tingle. And so I kind of send that tingle to my toes and I just see, I'm like, cool, how are you doing? And then I slowly work my way up my body and I check in with every single part of myself to be like, okay, where's their discomfort? Where is their pain? Do I feel tension somewhere that I didn't notice I was? I work up, you know, to my hips, to my back, to my shoulders, my arms, my neck, my head. And then I kind of just let my whole body resonate with this energy. And truly, if you allow yourself to actually let your body talk to you, it will tell you what it needs. It will tell you when you're uncomfortable. A lot of the times we just shut that down though in ourselves, right? And when I started to experience all of this, I started learning ways to honor and exercise all three parts. On the physical plane for my body, I love seeing my body's capabilities and so I like to push it. Either with working out, hiking, moving in general. I listen to it obviously, but I push it. I exercise it. And I exercise my mind a bunch of ways too. One way is actually tying in the body component is I like pushing my comfort zone physically. 
So cold plunges, meditations, meditations in the steam room. I overcome physical discomfort by sharpening my mind's capacity for what the definition of discomfort is, if that makes sense. I also read a lot. I love reading and I have a deep desire to learn new things, especially related to human consciousness, expanding it, our psyche, what drives us, human behavior, all of it. So those books, reading also sharpens and exercises my mind. And I sharpen it too with my awareness. I literally catch myself when I think critical thoughts about myself or other people, and I will re-say the thought in my mind. I focus on love and positivity. That in itself truly is a mental exercise. Focus and choosing to focus on those things instead of choosing to focus on the negative. That is the biggest mental exercise I ever do. Exercising the soul. I don't know if it's so much exercising it as it is allowing myself to just sit in it. I think that's the exercise. And so again, I go to meditation. Stillness. This lets me hear my soul and what it is whispering. And again, for me, nature. Surrounding myself with nature, observing the effortless abundance of nature. And I guess, I guess the biggest way I exercise it is with gratitude. Expressing even silent gratitude. Wishing everyone I come in contact with well, peace, joy, love, people I know or strangers. That truly is an exercise because like I said, your soul is only love. And so to honor it, to exercise it is to give love. So I think it's really important to check in with all three parts of you. And I think it's important to check in with them often to see if maybe one part of you needs a little bit more attention and love than another. The biggest thing I'm learning right now is life is about balance. This is something I'm constantly in need of reminding myself. Balance. Balance and control. Those are my two things. When I'm in balance, simply put, I'm happy. Life feels effortless. Life is joyful and fun. I feel endlessly energetic. My body feels good physically. I feel very loving and endlessly patient with everyone and everything. Okay. Again, I could talk about this forever. Yes, and I probably will. This is why I've started this podcast, but I'm gonna wrap it up here. My gratitude prompt for you today is, can you just thank your mind for everything that it does? Everything, even if it's working in overdrive, if it's overthinking, even if it's operating from a fearful place, even if it's choosing fear right, left and center, can you just say thank you for all that it is capable of doing? For how it's protecting you? And then when you say thank you for it, this is something I like to do. When my mind is really taking over, I go, thank you so much for protecting me. You can take a break now. Can you give your mind a little bit of a break and just say, hey, I've got you for once. Thanks for looking out for me, but you can rest and I'll take care of you for a little bit. I think showing gratitude to our mind instead of making it the bad guy all the time, I think it's really important. 
So show some love and some gratitude to your mind today. Okay, that is all for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate it as always. Much love. Bye for now. Thanks so much for checking out today's episode. If you resonated with what you heard, hit that subscribe button and maybe send it to someone who you think might need to hear today's message. If you want to stay up to date and connect with us on the socials, our Instagram handle is at Gratitude Growth Podcast. Until next time, stay grateful and keep growing.